This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections and Inked, and I'm here to help you fill up your pipeline, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. This is Jeb Blunt, and with me today is Keith Lubner. And Keith is Sales Gravy's Executive Vice President. He is an incredible trainer, a great speaker, and he is an expert on communication. Keith and I, in fact, are working on a book concept that will be out down the road on communication, on messaging, and on presentation. Before we get started, though, I want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with me. If you got a question about this podcast, if you got a comment, if you got something that you want to talk to me about, if you've got any question about anything anywhere, you can send me a private text message. I've been working using this platform called Community for a while now, and I really, really like it because it gets me directly connected with my fans and the people that read my book. It just works. And the phone number is 706-397-4599. That's 1-706-397-4599. And this is an opt-in service, so you have to opt into the process. I'm not going to spam you. And yes, when you send a text message, you're going to be talking directly to me. The best thing to do is just text me podcast or say hi, Jeb, or just really anything you want to. You can even just start off by asking your question. If you send a text message to 1-706-397-4599, you'll be directly connected with me. I love this process. It's great. And uh, some of the ideas for our future podcast are coming directly from this insider group. Let's talk about messaging. So you do a lot of work with Sales Gravy's clients. I think of all our trainers, uh, you're probably the most prolific in terms of spending time with people. And of course, you work with our salespeople on presentations and proposals. You're really all over the place. And I tell people all the time that you're like my right arm. Like if I didn't have Keith Lubner, I don't know what I would do. So the, you know, <laughs> the, the company would probably fall apart. So, so let's talk about making messaging simple. And let's just focus on three core tips around messaging and 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 how to make that messaging powerful and why this is really what top performers do, like the best salespeople out there. This is how they message. Well, you know, Jeb, there's there's something really interesting that we see with working a lot with a lot of people. And it's salespeople tend to do this and 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 you know more than anybody, but we tend to overcomplicate things in every, every regard, from our messages to our proposals and everywhere in between. So when we when we look at that, we try to bring forth the concept of simplicity because humans crave simplicity. They do not like complexity. So when it comes to messaging, when it comes to crafting great messages and connecting to people, there are three things that we've identified that really help a lot of people. One is stories and using stories to articulate your message across to two people because it's in our DNA that we will receive stories better. And it's in our DNA that we can communicate with stories in a lot easier way. And I'll give you some examples later in the podcast around all of that. The second thing that we need to do is we need to attach what we call just really simply images, images to uh, what we're writing, images to what we're presenting, images around all of that. And it goes back to the science of, of, of all of this. Humans can process images a lot faster and upwards of 60,000 times faster, they could process images as opposed to the written word or just think about bullet points. 
Now, they not only can process the, those images faster, they can remember the images even more so. And then lastly, when we work with people and salespeople in particular, we tell them to absolutely look at their processes and try to simplify the processes because, again, humans crave simplicity. So when they look at, for instance, a process like prospecting, if they make it as simple as possible, two things happen. Their brain can absorb it a lot easier and articulate the message a lot easier, but also the brain of the person that they're talking to, collaborating with, presenting to, they accept it a lot easier because it's in a very simple form. Now, when you combine stories and when you combine images and you combine the simplicity of a process, then you up your probabilities of connecting. So let's go back to this complexity thing, because I think this is one of the, the great you know, problems with human nature. It is human nature to take something simple and make it complicated. I was having a conversation yesterday with a, a guy who's got a consulting business. Then he came to me because he said, well, can we figure out a way to partner with you? So I said, okay, tell me what you got going on. And he explained it to me. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And then he did it again. And I still didn't understand what he, what he was talking about. It was like corporate speak. It was all these buzzwords and jargon. It was too much information. And I'm like, if you can't explain it to me, how are we going to explain it to the people that you want us to sell this to to partner with you? So we went you know, round and round and he wasn't really getting it. And what he was, what he was basically selling was I go in and create systems for sales teams. And, but it that was a long drawn out pitch in that. Then I said, well, if I was selling this, what I would say is I would go to the CEO or to a you know, top P&L owner and say, what I'm able to do is to get much more productivity out of your sales team without you having to spend any more money on your sales team. What do you think? And he's like, wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, because that's what the executive's gonna buy into. They're not going to buy into you build a bunch of systems. Nobody cares about how the systems work. They only care about how it works to them. But I see this everywhere. Like, and I know that you see this in our practice when we're working with people on messaging. Like the aha moments are, we'll create the messaging. Like, how do you do that? And the key is, and this is really the genius in messaging, is making complex things simple. That is, in effect, like the DNA of our company. Like, make complex things simple. But but people struggle with it. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, all the studies you, that you've done and the research you've done, why is it the human beings are so intent on complicating simple things? I, I, you know, it's, it, it's an interesting thing because you're right. We see this a lot when we are working with people in, our, in the workshops, Jeb. And when we're hitting a point where we're crafting messages and invariably people write to they write too much. They put too many words down. They they try too hard. And what it boils down to, what we've seen is what they're not doing is they're not stepping into the shoes of the person that they're trying to sell to and truly trying to understand it from, from their perspective. You know, we could boil it down to one word. They're not having empathy and they're not understanding how somebody would take the message. And, and you're story is a great example of that. Clearly, this person talking to you, clearly they did not step into the shoes of an executive and, and, and really kind of think at a very simplistic level, what does that executive want? What's worrying them? And, and when people do that, 
they boil it down. When they don't do that, they try to over-explain. They try to elaborate more. And that invariably leads to complexity. And then the message gets, gets you know, uh, convoluted. It gets, it gets, it gets uh, difficult to understand. Your story is exactly probably what happens every single day across, across the world with, um, with conversations with executives. Yeah, it's, it's funny in our in our trainings when we're doing messaging training or fanatical prospecting or you know we're working with uh, how to you know craft a proposal using a, a framework that we have. I everybody struggles with it, and I ask them, "Why are you struggling with this? Why is this so hard for you?" And they'll think and think and think about it, and finally they'll get it. They're like, "We're so used to talking about ourselves that it's hard for us to think about the other side of the table." So it sounds like like one of the very first things that you have to do to get good at messaging, which I think is super important because we're communicating all the time with people. And in today's world, we're doing it a lot faster, is that you have to become other focused versus self-focused. Like that's, that's the empathy versus the outcomes. Like if you're totally outcome driven, all you think about is telling people what you want. If you're empathy driven, you, you think about telling them what they want and, and helping them get what they want. So it, it's, it's that shift. So, so once we get to that point where we can be, we can be other focused, and I really do believe that's part of simplicity. Like if you're other focused, if you step into their shoes, you can, like you can articulate, this is exactly what this is going to do for you. Talk to me about storytelling and, and, and why that's important. And we could probably spend four hours talking about how to craft good stories, but maybe a couple of basics that people can use right now to weave stories in and use stories to better connect with other human beings. Okay. Yeah, I mean stories are are let's 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 go back in time for for a minute here. Stories are in our in our DNA. So think about the caveman times. And we tell this to all the people in in our training. In caveman times, they didn't have paper, they didn't have pens, they didn't have they didn't have mobile devices, they weren't texting, they weren't doing anything like that that they couldn't communicate that way. The only way they could communicate is by passing stories down to one another from one cave to the next, from one community community to the next. And that got hardwired into our DNA. And I mean, if you really think about it, it really accelerated when they discovered fire because all of a sudden at that point, they were sitting around the fire sharing stories. And then that kept going and kept, kept, kept moving. We, we, you know, when you think about it, and we just passed this a little while ago with the, um, with the holiday season, Christmas carols. Christmas carols are just stories that they crafted and put into song form. And the reason they did that is because it was easier to remember and it was easier to pass down. So when we, when we think of all of that, we, you know, and, and when, we, when we talk to people, and when we teach people, we, we, we tell them the, the easiest way to, to craft a story is just like what you said. It's, it's look, at, look, at, look at it from somebody else's view. Look at it from another person. But think about, you know, and this is where I start with it, quite frankly. Think about your own life. Think about the situations you've been in. Think about how you've overcome certain sales situations or what have you. And when you do that, it makes it much easier to craft a story along a certain concept. So we, so the first thing we do is we say, here's the concept. Now think of your own world 
and think of a story that could perhaps map over to that concept. And when people start thinking that way, it makes it genuine. It makes the concept stand out even further because they're now passionate about you know, what they did and what they accomplished as relates to a certain concept that they're trying to teach. Now, the really good speakers that we come across, the really good trainers, and we have a lot of them on our team, that's exactly what they do. They articulate the story um, over to people. And invariably at the end of the training sessions, and some of these, as you know, some of these training sessions go eight weeks. And when we ask people, what do they remember about the training? It's not the bullet point on slide you know, 44. It's the story that Keith told about this. It's a story that Jeb told or Brad told about that. And it still reinforces the bullet points, but they're not remembering the word. They're remembering the story. Well, this is exactly right. I mean, in my keynotes, when I'm on stage, I weave stories into the keynote and I do it. It's called the hammock principle, but essentially I have stories that are set at different points in my keynote to grab attention. Because when you're, when you're giving people information, their attention begins to wane and their brain gets bored and it starts looking for other things to do. But as soon as you tell a story, the brain just wakes up like it knows a story is coming. And you think about what we said earlier. We were talking about the, the, the cat that was he's pitching systems and processes. That's what I do. I fix systems and processes for sales teams. And I said, look, you know, if I were explaining it, I would basically say we help you get more out of your sales team without spending any more money. So that's a really good thing. Right. So if you can if you can get more with that with 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 the same or less, that's a good thing. And then what I might do is then wrap it into a story like I might say, you know, I was working with this one company and the CEO brought us in because he was worried that he wasn't getting enough out of his sales team. He looked at his sales team and said, I know there's more potential there. And I feel like if we could just fix something and I can't put my finger on it, we could get there. And and in fact, he sat down with me and asked me what he thought that I would find in the process. And I said, I, I really don't know. I mean, I've got to go out there and take a look and get involved. But I can tell you one thing. What we typically find is something very small that's usually a systemic issue that will make a massive impact on your business. So he says, okay. And so we go out and basically sit on the sales floor. We interview salespeople. We listen to sales calls. We, we kind of get into the whole process. Like we get deep in granular into what's going on. A week later, we came back and sat down with him and just asked one question. He said, we don't understand why it's your process that when people call in looking for a quote, the first thing that you do is, is give them the quote versus getting their name and their phone number. Because 70% of the calls that come in they go away and don't buy anything and you don't have the person's information. And the fact that your average sale is about $50,000, very few people are going to be making that type of decision on a single call. If you can't follow up with them, you got a problem. I'm just curious why you do that. And he just looked at me like I, you know, like I had four heads, like how, how is that possible that we're doing that? And we went and played some calls for him and said, see, I mean, almost this never happens. Like you never get this information. And once we identified that that big issue, like that we didn't have that contact, con, you know, the contact information, what we were able to do was then go into their their CRM system and just basically change the script and create a prompt that wouldn't allow them to get to the quote screen until you put the that contact information in. People were worried about whether people would give it to them, but there was no problem because they wanted a quote. So so the buyers were like almost 100% willing to give you the information in order to get the quote. 
when we first started working with them, they were doing $200,000 a, a week per rep uh, in sales. After they implemented this, that went to $500 per week, $500,000. They, they more than doubled the size of their company and they did that over a period of 12 months. And it was that one change that suddenly gave them that information and we were able to find that in their system. And so that's, that, Keith, is what we do when we work with companies in these type of pro projects to uncover problems or flaws in the system that can generate those type of results. That's how you tell the story of what you do. But Jeb, Jeb it's, really, it's interesting that you say that because there's something else that happens with stories that people don't realize the, the, the power that, that, that uh, what, I'm, what I'm about to say uh, is. And the story also is the opportunity to express the, the emotional aspects of, of the selling situation. People can pick up on your emotion when you're telling the story, but more importantly, when they see you telling the story, they, they pick up on the enthusiasm, they pick up on your confidence, they, they, they trust you even more because of that confidence, because of that emotion that you're transferring because you're telling a story. It's really difficult, we found, for people to transfer that emotion when they're reading bullet points off of a PowerPoint right. slide. They just can't do it. And, and people don't communicate in bullet points. We all communicate in stories. If you just look around, just think about it. I mean, some people are communicating books and some people are communicating short sentences, but we're all communicating in stories. And the reason that we do that is that we want to be understood. So we tell stories, people tell us stories for the, for the purpose of being understood. In fact, stories are our language. And it's if we learn how to speak that language, it works. And we and like you said, if people can see and feel the emotion. And I think that's important as well when we start thinking about images and why images are important. But one of the images is you. And and that doesn't make a difference whether you're in person standing in someone's boardroom. That's important, but also on video. And and we're you know, we're seeing the numbers on video, the numbers on video are going up. The amount of revenue created through videos going up. If you're typically selling on the phone, you need to spend more time on videos. In fact, 77% of buyers say that they would prefer a video call to a phone call. You know why? They want to see you. They want to draw congruence from what you're saying, right? The words you're saying, that message and your emotions. They want to see it. And and what we're also finding is that you know buyers uh, prefer, like even now they're preferring these video calls because they're faster. So not only you got to get good at telling stories, you got to get good at being good at telling stories so people can feel your energy as it goes through, because that's part of what they're doing. You said that that people can process pictures up to 60 times faster than words. Those were, that's what you said earlier. So you know that I spend a massive amount of time on images. So when I'm building a slide deck, it takes me about eight hours to build eight slides because I... I, I spend, you know, I, and I pay for all this stuff. So I go into, I use Shutterstock and I go into Shutterstock and I go through the library and I'll pull images out and I even will go in and like move, remove the background so that the, it, it works with the words, getting the words and the image together. But I spend a lot of time on that. And a lot of people don't. Like I noticed that I look at decks and there will be no images at all, or the image isn't really matching the slide or it doesn't really you know carry the brand. But it takes a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of intention to, to really think about what is the image I'm sending and how is this going to connect with that person and carry my overall message. 
There is no doubt that messaging and choosing images for your PowerPoints and your proposals and all the media that you use in sales, it's really hard, it's difficult. And we're gonna talk more about how you do this on the other side. But first, there's a reason why hundreds of companies and thousands of individuals are learning on Salesgrave University. Salesgrave University is different than most online platforms because at Salesgrave University, not only do we have the traditional e-learning self-paced courses that are video-based that you can go through anywhere, anytime on any device, we also have live courses every single week that are taught by master trainers like Keith. And these courses are courses you can enroll in, you attend class, just like in a regular classroom, you go to breakouts, you're interacting, there are discussion groups, and you're gonna meet a lot of amazing people that are going through the same things you are. And the good news is we make it incredibly affordable to take courses and learn and invest in yourself on Salesgrave University. So go now and check out all the courses on Salesgrave University. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab at the top menu on salesgravy.com. And right now you can save 50% off on any course using code gravy123. Yeah, images are, are huge, Jeff. I, I did a keynote today and the keynote uh, was, was, uh, was interesting in that people need to see your, your emotion and all of that. But I noticed as I was looking at the people that, and this was a virtual keynote, and as I, as I was looking at the people that were on the screen, every time I would hit one of the stories, a majority of the people leaned in on the screen, the majority of the people. And each story that I hit, it was just an image of a scene. And, and one of the images that, was, that people really locked into, to your point of, of mapping up the images to, to what you're talking about, and the power of those images. One of these images was just a person surfing on a wave. And it was the only thing that was on slide uh, or, 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 or you know, on the screen, I should say. And the, 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 the meaning behind and the message behind that, that slide with the surfer was that we are going through some really interesting and difficult times right now with the pandemic and all of that. And we have a choice. Our choice could be we can let the waves hit us and cower and always let the waves hit us, or we can ride the waves. We can learn to surf. And when we learn to surf, we figure our way out of difficult situations. We figure our way through things. And it's a mindset. And just the slide alone conveyed that entire message without me really having to say a lot of words around that slide. So what does it take to pick good images? I mean, what do you have to do? And because I, I, I have yet to be able to find a way to teach people images, like really focusing on that. But for me, it's like I'm, I'm almost OCD over getting images right. I agonize over it. I think if there's anybody that's a, uh, that that's really good at picking images is you, quite frankly. <laughs> but but uh, how I look at images is I first look at what is the message I'm trying to convey, and then I map back to what image will bring that across. The great example is the surfer. Um, what I was trying to convey is that over the course of history, we're always going to be smacked upside the head with difficulties, difficult times, 
And we have a choice of how we come across those times. So I kept trying to think of a way of getting that message across to people. And it dawned on me just one day, I was, uh, I was sitting at the beach and it dawned on me that I, I, I saw two people and, and one person was struggling mightily and just you know, put this vision in, in your head. And they were, the waves were just pounding on them. And then I looked off to the side and another person was just, you know, so elegantly just riding each wave in on their, on their surfboard. And that right there, that image of we have a choice was, uh, was there. So I just look at the message and I try to figure out based on that message, what will really come through for, for people. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Uh, like I said, if there's anybody that's really great at it, it's, it's uh it's 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 Mr. Blunt, but uh, but I but think I you do the same thing. You look at the image, or you look at the message you want to portray, and really try to marry up that image. Sometimes it takes you eight hours just to get eight slides, but the intent is not just the slides; it's the message you want to put yes. forth based on the image. So I think it's the time. I'm not really actually good at images. I'm not even a good marketer. I just take the time. It's the intention, and I just look at it like this: I see sales like a like a horse race. If you look at most horse races, if you just go to the track and you watch most thoroughbred races, most races are run by a nose. Like it's really close. I mean, there's a lot of photo finishes. A lot of car races are run by a nose. In fact, professional golf is won by a nose. You know, there's all those things. And and the thing is, is that sales is the same way. You know, just think about, I go back to 19, I think 2006, uh, Indianapolis 500, um, Hornish beat Andretti by like eight hundredths of a second. They couldn't even, they couldn't call the race. They had to go back and look at the images. It was so close. And always ask the question to people like, what was, you know, what was Hornish's competitive edge? Like, how did he win? And they go, well, they start telling me all these things. And I go, well, the truth is you have no idea. You have absolutely no idea what he won. He just did something a little bit more perfect than Andretti. And I think messaging is that way. I think that in a, in a race where you're going to win by a nose and it sells a lot of times that winning by a nose is winner takes all. It's, it's something small. And so I'm, I take the time to invest in every little part of my message to make sure that I'm just that much better than my competitors. Because I figure my competitors won't go through the time to choose an image that, that conveys the message or that connects with the eyes or even connects even with the colors on the slide so that it, you know, so that it works. So my message to people is, look, if you want to win, like you got to pay attention to those details because those those image details matter. People are looking at them, they're connecting the dots with them, and uh, and 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 by the way, different people based on where they come from and their perspective in the world, you got to think about your images that way too. So I'm really focused on neutral images that don't uh, that don't that don't trigger any type of emotion in people that would be negative, but more positive and support my message. So I, to me, it's just really, really hard work. And, you know, and I, I, my own, you know, personal frustration sometimes with people on our team is that it's easier just to pick anything and slap it on the slide than to really be intentional about it. And oh, by the way, not just the picture itself, like how it's centered on the slide, how it's, how it's on, like connecting with the, with the text. So super important. Now, you, the, the, the last part of your three piece, you know, I guess paradigm for better messaging is chunking. You call it, you know, breaking things down into manageable parts, but it's essentially how human beings consume content. Chunking is a really big part of 
of training. It's a it's a huge part of getting people to remember things. And and I like I like a three step process where you're chunking the the message, you're layering the messages on top of each other, so you're you're making them memorable. So if you're telling the story on you know one part of your message, you're actually bringing in and connecting the dots with other parts of your message. And then you've got your, your, and this I think is super important, you've got those chunks of information sequenced in the right order so that it doesn't confuse people and, and, it's, and it's building on, you know, on, on one on, on top of another. So, so talk to me about a little bit about this, this idea of breaking down the process into manageable, easy parts and then chunking that information up and how this contributes to you know, the, the KISS principle, keep it simple. It, you know, it, it, when we look at, um, you know, the KISS principle and we, we want to keep it simple, I, I always go back to how I would feel. And I never want to feel myself overwhelmed. So if, if uh, I had a good, you know, a good friend of mine would always use this, this, this analogy, but it's so true. He said, if I would put a pizza in, in front of you and say, go ahead, eat the whole pizza, you'd feel overwhelmed, you'd feel intimidated, and you, you know, you couldn't eat the whole pizza there. But if I put one slice in front of you at a time, and all I say was just eat one slice at a time, it doesn't become as overwhelming and you're able to do that. So by just breaking it down into very simple parts becomes less overwhelming, less stressful. And when you're not, when you're not consumed by that stress, when you're not consumed by being overwhelmed, you have more clarity around what you are reading, what you are seeing, what you are hearing. So that's kind of where I start with, with, with that. Now, as we move through training and as we move through teaching people, uh, what we, you're exactly right. We, we, we chunk up the, the information that we want to get across, but we also kind of weave a narrative all the way through there. We weave a story all the way through. And a great example goes back to this keynote that I just gave today, because in, in the keynote, you know, to, and, and you brought this really great point about uh, hammock principle and, and, and articulating stories all throughout your, the, the keynote, is I had a, a, a story at the very, very beginning, um, and a really powerful story at the beginning of, of where I failed. And then midway through, I have another story after I went through a couple different concepts with people, I had a story of of basically the same exact situation, maybe a couple of years later, where I didn't fail, I won because I learned certain things. And the audience grabbed onto that in a really good way, only because I elaborated a difficulty on my own. And then I had very small steps along the way, teaching them something. And then my story of victory was just a culmination of those little steps along the way. So to your point, I, I chunked it up, I put it into a little, a, a little bit of a sequence, and then I tied a narrative around it all. And that's when people lock into the concepts a lot easier because it's simple. They crave simple simplicity. They want it in small bite-sized chunks. They can't, they can't take on the entire pizza. And, and by the way, this is one of the reasons why salespeople get a lot of objections. It's something called the less is better effect. So the more information you give, the more overwhelmed a person becomes. It, it increases cognitive load. 
And when human beings get overwhelmed, it, it actually creates risk. And because human beings are risk averse, what they do is they'll put off making a decision. I need to think about it. I got to go talk to my boss. Um, could you go get me some more information? They give you those type of excuses and pushback. And when you keep things simple, like when you when you have the message compressed and you're focusing on by stepping in their shoes, the things that are most important to them, and it's something that they can relate to, you're much more likely to get a decision and you're much more likely to reduce the probability that you're going to get an objection. And this is this takes practice. You got to hone your message. You got to think about it. If you're getting a lot of objections, maybe you can think about like, what are you saying? How are you presenting it? In what order? One of the things I see, Keith, for example, is in proposals, rather than just giving the person the recommendation and the plan results. So here's what's going to happen. They give them the recommendation plan result, and then they, they drop like all of the supporting material right behind that particular recommendation. And I help companies accelerate their, their close rates by taking supporting information and dropping it into an appendix. So reference the appendix. The person can go there, but all they really wanted to know about is what is this going to do for me? How does it work? And they're watching you to see whether there's congruence between the words you say and how you say them. Before we go, because it's been fantastic, I want to finish up with authenticity. So how important in your mind is it that when you're telling your story, when you're delivering your message, as you go through communicating, how important is it that you're authentic, like a real human being? And, I, and I'll add to this, like real using real language, like like using the, the way that people actually talk about things, not the way that you think that they talk about things. Using all these big words and corporate speak, just being, just being down to earth. It a couple years ago, I I was sitting in and I was watching a keynote of of a person, and it was it was glaringly apparent that they had scripted the entire keynote and that they were word for word spitting back that keynote to the entire audience it was it was rehearsed it was it was robotic and it was just apparent and this person wanted to be a um, they were aspiring to be a public speaker and what they didn't come across as is, is exactly what you're talking about, being authentic or genuine. Now, how you do that is, is number one, the stories have to be real stories. <laughs> you can't make up the stories because when you make up the story, people can read through that from a mile away. They, and that your authentic, authenticity goes out the door and your genuineness completely uh, is not even apparent. So they have to be real. And the other part about it is, and this is what I do, is as I'm telling the story, I smile and I think about the emotions that I went through. And when you have those images in your head, back to images, you come across as that person that, that felt that pain, that person that went through that. Now, the other thing is you, you have to practice it somewhat so that you, you know exactly the points that you want to get across with the story. I know you do that a lot, and I do that a lot, but a lot of times people go into situations where they say, oh, I'm just going to tell that story, and they're not practicing what does that story mean, and what are the points that you want to make in that story, and how is it tying into the relevancy of what you're talking about? So you practice it, but you don't memorize it. And by doing so, you become completely authentic and, and often at times clients come, you know, 
they, they say, hey, the content was great and this was great, but you know what? You were genuine in delivering that to us. And that's what you want to hear because then they're connecting to you. Then they're connecting to you on an emotional level. Yeah, I, I totally buy into that. I think that's key. I think, you know, on my own self, I do a lot of keynotes. I travel all over the world. And I mean, I think I did 79 keynotes since Labor Day. It's a lot. And uh, I I always, like, I watch myself on video and I'm like, I'm not perfect enough. I make all these mistakes and I stumble over my words. And I, you know, sometimes even I tell people I laugh. I'm, I make up words. Like I'm in the middle of something and I just, the word comes out of my mouth. It's not even a word. And, and my own criticism myself is I need to get more perfect. Like I need to get more dialed in. And what I hear from other people is we really like that about you. We love the fact that when you're standing up on stage and you sound like everybody else. Like I, now I'm not, don't get me worse. I'm, I know my stuff and I'm not stumbling over my content. I know my stories. I probably tell the story in 10 different ways, depending on the audience or how I feel that day. But, but I, I've been, you know, it's hard for me because I have to listen to other people. But what other people say is that that about you, that part of you is what we like. Like that's that's what makes it authentic. And I think a lot of people try to try to get it too too dialed in. Like you said, people can people can see through it or if it just sounds too perfect, I think in people's brains, there's part of them that thinks, what's wrong with this picture? That they can't they can't put it together. So I love what you said. I think that you you know your story, but you don't memorize it. You know what you're gonna say, you have it down, you've got your sequence down. But don't build these deep level scripts so that it just sounds like you're plastic. Just be yourself. Yeah. And people can relate. People can relate to, I mean, we are, humans are imperfect beings. So, you know, I do that a lot, Jeb. I'll stumble, stumble over a word. I'm doing it right now. And I'll just laugh at myself and I'll do it in the moment. And you can see the people in a virtual setting or an in-person setting, you can see them. They lean into you because they think, oh, you're just like me. Like, that's exactly what I would do. And actually, your message gets elevated at that point. If you want to learn more about Keith Lubner, go to salesgravy.com and click on the team tab. And you can also find his social media channel so you can connect with him directly. And don't forget, if you want to send me a direct message, if you've got a comment on this on this podcast or a question about it or something that you would like me to ask Keith, then just send me a text message to 706-397-4599, 706-397-4599. And if you don't have anything important to say at the moment, you just want to join my insider group, just text HiJeb and I'll write you back. I will see you next time on the next episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. 